We're going to be in Job's 38, 38 today, um, all the way through 40. The kids can be dismissed uh, for Bible Explorers. And um, is that correct, Allison? Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so, so who, forever who doesn't know me, my name is Jason Ludwig. I'm one of the elders here, um, married to Rachel Ludwig and two little girls, Ava and Tessa. And um, I thank you guys for allowing me the privilege to speak. Um, but let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for your majesty. I thank you for your creation. I thank you for loving us, Lord. I thank you for all that you've blessed us with. I just pray that um, as I speak, I correctly divide the word of truth, Lord. I pray that this faith family shows me grace. And um, I just pray that their ears are opened and their eyes are open to the how big and how majestic you are, Lord. We love you. Amen. All right, so... This is not my normal. I'm usually behind a chop saw, so I'm not behind a pulpit, so please give me the benefit of the doubt. Um, Yeah, so as you guys know, if you're a newcomer here, I don't know, but we've been going through the book of Job, the whole book. So we've been in it for a few months now. Um, Some of you guys may be saying, thank goodness, we're almost at the end, but uh, I thank the elders and the pastors for all the time they've took to um, just correctly divide this book. It's very hard, but it's also very awe-inspiring, and it just um, makes you realize the power and majesty of God. Um, uh, Sorry, I got a little cheat sheet. I got to do it. So so I've been given the privilege of studying Job chapters 38 through 41, and we're finally going to, but I feel it's important to give a brief overview of the book if you're new here or you've missed a few weeks. Um, for, for those of you who have been here the whole time, just bear, please bear with me. Um, so you don't have to turn there, but starting in Job chapter 1, we have this man named He's a prosperous farmer living in the land of Oz. He has thousands of sheep, camels, and other livestock, a large family, and many slaves. One day, Satan comes before God and asks him, where have you come from? And Satan replied, from going to and fro on the earth and walking around it. And the Lord says to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Now notice, Satan does not initiate the conversation. God highlighted Job's heart and pointed out Job's integrity. God is telling Satan, you know what? There's a man on the earth that loves me more than his own, sorry, there's a man that loves me more than his own, where am I, family, his possessions, and his own life. He holds me higher than himself. Friends, can God say that about you? If you're a follower of Christ, Jesus has called you to that devotion. In Luke 14, 26, Jesus says this, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, his mother, his wife, his children, his brothers, and his sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. This means Christ is placed far above everything else in this world. Please don't neglect your family 
but don't neglect your higher mission. The love of family is a law of God, but even love can be self-serving and an excuse not to serve where God leads you. Many people these days just want to say a quick prayer, ask Jesus into their hearts, and that's much easier to do than actually live out the words like Job and the disciples did. So moving on in Job's story, um, Satan is allow, has allowed, uh, sorry, Satan is allowed by God to kill Job's seven sons. Am I still on? Kind of. Oh, is it because I moved this? Oh. Okay. I'm fine with that. Now I can't move around. Um, all right. So Satan is allowed by God to kill Job's seven sons, his three daughters, as well as all his servants, his lives, and all his livestock. But Job continues to trust God. Now next, Satan asks God to attack Job physically, covering him with painful boils. Job's wife tells him to curse God and die, but Job replies in verse 2-9, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not receive evil? In all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now next we have three of Job's close friends who travel to visit to comfort him. Upon seeing him, they can hardly recognize him with all his severe skin infections from the top of his head to the sole of his foot. At first, they just sit silently and grieve for seven days, but then they begin to tell Job why they think he's suffering with all these tragedies. They tell him that sin caused his suffering, and he should confess his sin and turn to God. But Job maintains his innocence. Now, unable to convince Job of his sin, the three men fall silent once again, and at this point, another voice, the young Elu, enters the debate. And Pastor Pat spoke on him last week. He rebukes Job's three friends and is also very angry with Job for justifying himself rather than God. So for 37 chapters, we have not heard God answer one of Job's questions. But please, never mistake God's silence for his absence. Now finally, we're in chapters 38. This is where you just heard the scripture reading from. Um, we can, you can turn there. It's on page 443. Um, and we're going to read Job's 38, 1 through 7. I'll give you guys a minute to turn there. Job 38, 1 through 7. Then the Lord answered Job out of a whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by my words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man, and I will question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what, on what were its bases sunk? Or who laid the cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And for the next four chapters, God is going to humble Job with a series of questions, about 50 of them to be exact. Now, we don't have time to um, read them all, but you heard a lot of them during the scripture reading. So we're finally going to hear God speak to Job, and we're going to get to hear one of the longest portions of God speaking in all of scripture. 
Um, now, God's going to answer all of Job's hard questions, right? Is he going <laughs> to? No, he doesn't. He actually doesn't answer one of Job's questions. So um, God uses Job's ignorance of the earth's natural order to reveal his ignorance of God's sovereignty. Job's questions were not the heart of the issue here. Yielding to the will of the Almighty and all-knowing God was. And instead of answering Job in a gentle whisper, God answers um, in a whirlwind with blinding flashes of lightning and the roaring voice of dark clouds and says, dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Now, I don't know how you would feel, but if God came to me like that, I'm pretty sure I would uh, be on my knees, um, which I was one night um, when I read this exact same chapter, and I'll get into that later. So many of us, including myself at one time, had a small view of God. I'm sure you've heard people say, if I ever have a chance to talk to God, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Have you ever heard that before? <laughs> Well, you know what? Job basically said that in Job 13, 15. You guys probably remember this from previous sermons. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Yet, I will argue my ways to his face. Those are pretty powerful words, Job. I will argue my ways to his face. Faith family, when those in the Bible had a glimpse of God, did they question his motives Let's um, take a look at what, how Isaiah said in Isaiah 6.1. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim. They each had six wings. With two they covered their face, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Other translations say, I am ruined, or I am a dead man. Now let's look at the Apostle, uh, Apostle John. This is the Apostle that Jesus loved. And when he saw Jesus in his glorified state in Revelations 1, 13 through 17. I saw the Son of Man clothed in a long white robe with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like wool, like snow. His eyes were like flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was shining like the sun in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead. That was John. And now Job, which we're going to hear next week in Job 42, 4 through 6, says this. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. Friends, this is how people reacted when they saw God in the Bible. There's no questioning God's motives. 
If you're taking God casually, I beg you to stop before you meet him someday, when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is king. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Philippians 2.12 says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, who am I to question God? I've only lived on this small planet that we call Earth for 44 years. And the Earth revolves around this huge ball of fire, okay, which we call the sun. And it revolves around 67,000 miles an hour. I mean, I can't even imagine that, okay? If we were just a little closer to the sun, we'd all burn up. If we were a little bit further from the sun, we'd all freeze. But God's placed us in the exact spot for life to exist, okay? Um, for, for perspective, let's take a look at this picture I brought, or Wendy got for me. It's going to show a picture of the sun versus the size of the earth. I can't hear me anymore, can you? Um, so we're a speck on that speck. So one million Earths can fit inside the sun, okay? When you see this, you're just like blown away because you think how big the Earth is. But when you look at it in proportion to the sun, it's so tiny. And the sun is just a tiny planet in the solar system, in the Milky Way galaxy. And there's thousands of galaxies. So... I just love that picture because whenever you, you have any pride, or I have pride, <laughs> just remember where we are in the universe. We're just a spot on a spot, okay? Right there. Um, so in my 20s, it took me many years to fully grasp how small I was in comparison to God um, because I had a small view of him. He was my uh, buddy in the passenger seat. He was, was not my lord and master. Um, some of you know I've shared my testimony before coming an elder. Um, ugh, knew I should bring these just in case. Um, I grew up in a Christian home with great parents. I went to a Christian school, Laconia Christian, kindergarten through 12th. Uh, I went to Gordon College for four years, another Christian school. Um, I bought a house at the age of 25 and started working at a carpentry business building lake homes. Um, my motto is work hard, play hard. But little did I know, I was becoming a functioning alcoholic. Yeah, those were the good old days. All right, I got to get on to the, <laughs> the real world now here. All right, uh, one lonely night, alone in my house, I decided to take out my Bible. I randomly turned to Job 38, which we just read, and I read it to the end of the book. You would never know I'm a carpenter. <laughs> I just got some sawdust in my eye. Um, I still remember that night as clear as day. It was almost like God was speaking to me, and he was saying, dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you make it known to me. 
And all those questions God asked Job ring to my ears, and my proud self fell to my knees. before the Lord, and I bawled my eyes out like I am now. <laughs> um, and I repented. God had revealed himself to me through his written word, his might, his power, his sovereignty, and his love was made known to me that night, and he became my Lord and my master. No longer did I have a small view of God. All right. Don't, don't they usually have a glass of water up here when they speak? I didn't, you know, the guest speakers don't get it. No, I'm kidding. Okay. I'm joking. <laughs> oh, underneath? Oh, wow. Three bottles. <laughs> wow. All right. I am good now. All right. Totally lost my spot here. All right, now we're back to Job. <laughs> so if you boil down those 50 questions that God asked Job, I see at least two points God wants to make known to Job as well as us, the readers. And the first is God's power is sovereign. The one thing we do know about Job's suffering is that his ultimate purpose was to bring glory to God. God uses Job's suffering to demonstrate his glory to Satan and all the angels. And that's way more important than Job's life working out the way that he planned. Some of you may be saying, well, that's very hard to live with, to endure suffering for his glory. And you would be correct. It's very hard. But that's really the key to a successful life. When we finally grasp that we and all the world were created for God's glory, we start to find a joy and a satisfaction that we've never known before. You will realize it's not your plans working out the way that you want, but it's his plans to make his glory known throughout the earth. Jesus never promised us a pain-free life, but he does promise that if we trust in him, we can experience a deeper and more sat and something more satisfying than anything that the world tries to offer us. The second point is God's plans are infinite, way beyond ours. So you got to try to wrap your head around this. I'm trying to remember, is this working or is that working? This working? Okay. Um, so if God's wisdom is so high above our wisdom and God's power is so high above our power, then wouldn't it make sense there's going to be a lot of things that God might be doing that we don't understand fully? Totally makes sense, right? So I really enjoy science. I was actually a biology major at Gordon College. Um, but when you don't take college seriously enough, you become a carpenter. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. God to I love carpentry, and God has a plan for my life that I had no idea about. And that's not putting down carpenters either. Um, so in chapters uh, 38, verse 31 and 32, God asked Job some questions about the solar system. He says, can you hold back the stars? Can you restrain Orion or Pallades? Can you guide the great bear and her cubs? So most of us have heard of these star formations. Orion and Pallades, um, 
But did you know that Pallades is around 800 times the size of the sun? So look at the sun on the earth. Pallades is 800 times the size of the sun, and it stretches out for 15.5 light years. Okay? And by the way, one light year is 5.9 trillion miles. So kind of like boggles the mind. The Great Bear refers to a constellation of large stars in our northern sky, which is 127 times brighter than the sun. Okay, 127 times. Pastor Foose was actually telling me that these three constellations are actually high enough in the sky right now that we can see a portion of what God was speaking to Job about. So that's pretty awesome, actually. All right, now let's take a minute and do a little test. I want to see how much higher God's power is than yours. <laughs> Think about how much power it must have taken to create the known universe. If you look up on a clear night, you're able to see about 6,000 stars. But that's just a tiny fraction of all the stars. In the known universe, the scientists say that there are actually... Uh, there's around 200 million trillion stars, okay? Another way of saying that is 200 sextillion. I don't know. I've never heard that word either. Now, that sounds like a lot of numbers. I'm going to try to help you wrap your mind around those numbers if you can, all right? Does anyone know what they were doing a million seconds ago? Do you know how long a million seconds ago was? It was 11 days ago. I don't even remember what I was doing 11 days ago. Um, do you know what you were doing a billion seconds ago? Do you know, does anyone have a guess on how long a billion seconds ago was? This, how much? 110. 110, close. Anyone else? It's 31 and a half years ago, okay? So some of you... <laughs> some, some of you guys don't know what you're doing because you weren't even born yet. <laughs> that was when um, cassette tapes were in and C CD players. It was in the early 90s. Uh, CDs had just kind of be been introduced. It was funny. I heard a joke that um, some of the kids nowadays think cars with tape decks is the cell phone charger they stick it into. <laughs> so I don't know. Hopefully my girls don't try that. All right. So that was a billion seconds ago. This is the last one. How about a trillion seconds ago? How long do you guys think a trillion seconds ago was? Any guesses? 100 years? 500 years? That's a good guess. 300 years? <laughs> well, you know what? Go ahead. Oh my goodness, so it was 32,000 years ago. Good, yeah, that was good. <laughs> good can, so that was a trillion seconds ago, 32,000 years ago, all right? Um, so that, those numbers are just crazy. So there's 200 billion trillion stars that occupy an expanse that we just can't even comprehend, and all of this was created by God saying, let there be light. I mean, that's it. I mean, can you even believe that? So I want to compare that now to your power. <laughs> can any of you lift 800 pounds over your head? You can't even do that? 
I can't even do 10 push-ups anymore with both girls on my back, so um, never mind making the sun rise at my commands. You know what I mean? So isn't there quite a gap of power here, would you say? Okay. Um, so if God's power is, as, is high above ours and his wisdom is high above ours, doesn't it make sense that some things are going to be a, beyond our immediate ability to understand? Totally does. It's entirely possible that God has a purpose that he's working out that we just can't see yet. One of our core problems as a race is that we just don't think of God as, as that much bigger than us. He's just a slightly, a slightly bigger, slightly smarter version of us. But does that make any sense when you realize how powerful God had to be to speak the world into existence? I mean, it's just no comparison, okay? So Job realized this after God threw some questions at him. Listen to what Job says in chapter 40, 3 through 5. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my mouth on my hand, I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once, I will not answer. Twice I will proceed no further. Job did not know how limited he was. He couldn't answer one of God's questions. Now he understood just how big God was and that he had the wrong posture in his questions. It's not always wrong to ask questions, make them known to God, but please at least have some reverence and understanding of the magnitude of the God that you're asking. Many of us are a lot like Job. We think we need an explanation. Faith family, some of you are going through some hard times right now, but I know that God has a purpose. Sometimes suffering can happen just so we stand more in love and awe of God, and that's what we see in Job. Suffering can shape you more to himself and prepare you for the plans that he has for you. You may never understand on this side of eternity, but his purpose is bringing glory to himself. Actually, many of you can probably see some of the good things um, behind what was God, God was doing in your life during hard times. When you look back, you can see that he was there and he was doing something for his purpose. He was actually doing something good for his benefit. C.S. Lewis said this, quote, If you think of this world as a place simply intended for our happiness, you will find it quite intolerable. Think of it as a place for training and correction, and it's not that bad. You and I actually know more than Job did because we've seen what Job never saw. We saw our Redeemer come to earth, rise, die, and rise again. And as believers, we know he came to take the punishment that we deserve. So we will never be separated from him again. So yes, we are wounded and sometimes, but he was wounded for us that we, so that we can be eternally healed. His spirit is always with us, and we'll never have to worry about what he's doing in our lives. Friends, be strong and courageous. Have faith because he stands by our side, and we know this without a doubt because he stood in our place on the cross. So why should we fear about the unknown? We may not know what God is doing in the painful moments, 
But the cross shows us what our suffering does not mean. It does not mean he has lost his love for us. Because if he did not turn his back on us while we were still sinners, he surely will not turn his back on us now that we are his children. If you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe, I ask you to look at this beautiful world through a different lens, that it was all created by someone who loved you and you are not a random accident of time and chance, as evolution says you are. Consider doing some research, research and reading the love letter that he gave us, the Bible. Also know that you can reach out to any of the pastors, elders, or any of the believers in the faith family here. Um, we can't give you our salvation, but we can show you, and we'd love to show you and tell you about Christ's love. Life is so short in light of eternity. Please consider these words from Paul in Romans 1.20. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. To conclude, Job wanted an explanation for why he suffered. He never got it. What God gave him instead was a revelation of who he was. And it wasn't until Job saw that that he was satisfied. When God finally appeared to Job, Job was so busy repenting, he didn't have time for any other questions. He despised himself and repented in dust and ashes. When you see the beauty and the magnitude of the creator, you stop asking the why and you start trusting the who. I will end with a quote from Corey Temboon, who suffered for years in a Nazi prison camp. Quote, no pit is so deep that he is not deeper still. With Jesus, even in our darkest moments, the best remains and the very best is yet to be. Love you, faith family. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. That was a great reminder in uh, 